In the gospel today, it's easy for us to stop and to ask, how is it that those who don't share are the wise ones? To hold the wise virgins to a standard of charity. But that's to miss the forest for the trees. Because the homily tonight, or excuse me, the the gospel tonight, is about prudence. And I would argue that one of the virtues, if not the most important virtue of our time, is the virtue of prudence. Now, I'm a Dominican, and for those of you who don't know, St. Thomas Aquinas, the greatest theologian to have ever lived, was a Dominican also. So it is a particular responsibility and patrimony that we have as Dominican friars to hand on to the church the teachings and writings of St. Thomas Aquinas. And in Aquinas' understanding of the moral life, there are four moral virtues, piety, justice, fortitude, and, now I'm blanking, prudence. There we go. Excuse me, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. Sorry, my, my mind is all over the place. Prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. And the governing of all of those virtues, the things, the moral virtues for Aquinas are the things that, that we can work on and grow. Hope, faith, and love, charity, are gifts from God, the theological virtues. We can't increase our faith. That's a gift. We can, however, be more prudent. And for Aquinas, the form of all of our moral virtues, those things that we can control, is prudence, which is the right use of right reason. It's right reason in practice, Aquinas would say. And so what does that mean for us? Instead of looking at this gospel and saying, why didn't those wise virgins give of themselves? We ask, why did those foolish virgins not get the oil that they needed? And in prudence, we are called to look and to ask, What could we do, what can we do that will lead to the greatest good being accomplished here? Our moral life is about doing good and avoiding evil. It's about becoming a saint. It's about living a life that is on fire with God's love. And prudence allows us to make those choices both simple and grand that lead us to a greater relationship and awareness of God's presence in our life. But it is very difficult to act with prudence in our world today. I work on a college campus, and so I see this all the time. First of all, we live in a world that says your emotions and the way that you feel are the most important part of who you are. And this, brothers and sisters, is imprudence. Because we are more than our emotions. Our emotions are one source of information, and we should pay attention to them but they are one among multiple sources of information we must consult in order to make a prudent decision. But our world says to us, act in the way that you feel. Let your feelings be your guide. And working at St. Paul's with all of those great students at Indiana University, so often we have to teach students, yes, your emotions are a good and wonderful thing. It's good to have healthy understanding and approach to your emotions. But that's one way of knowing. There are other ways of knowing as well. Another temptation and a challenge to acting with prudence in our information age is the rapidity with which we are expected to give answers and make decisions. Sometimes the most prudent thing we can do is take a deep breath, go for a walk, step away from that challenge or that problem for a couple of days. But the world around us says you have to make these decisions and you have to make them now and you have to make them according to your emotions. 
But we as prudent men and women who strive to be one with Christ must also consider not only our emotions and the needs of others, we must consider what God has taught us and teaches us through the scriptures, through the traditions and teachings of the church. We must hold all of those things in tension, but then we must act. And here's the great irony, if you will, of prudence. We grow in prudence by actually looking at those areas and times in our life when we are most imprudent, learning from them and improving. What a great gift in a way it is for these young virgins who are foolish to not be admitted to the wedding banquet. Why? Because they need to learn. And if they learn, they will, go, they will go, grow closer to the bridegroom. And so what a great gift it is for us when we look at our failings, when we come to the Lord in the sacrament of reconciliation, when he offers us his healing, what must we do then? Look at our life and say, what can I do differently in this relationship, in this particular habit that I've developed so that I can act more toward the higher good the greater good, being one with Christ Jesus. Because when we look at the gospel today, why don't we can say this on a theological level, not on a practical level, because parables aren't real things. On a theological level, why is it that the wise virgins are not able to share with the others? Well, there are some things that must come directly from God. There are some things that we must go to God to receive. There's wonderful things that we can give to each other. But only God can give us himself. Only God can give us his spirit. Only God can give us the Eucharist. As wonderful and great and as holy as we can be and should be for other people, we also at times must turn our brothers and sisters to the Lord. And that one thing that fills up our lamps is God himself in the Eucharist. And brothers and sisters, as you may know from Father Meyer's work, we are in this Eucharistic revival because the Lord and our bishops have called us to look at our lives and to say, why am I low on the things that I need, on the one thing that is necessary? And how can I fill my lamp with the graces, the goodness, and the wonder that comes from Christ Jesus himself in the most holy sacrament of the altar? How can I turn to him? How can I make that more central in my life Show, so that not only can I be fueled and give light to the world, but I can turn others to the fullness of goodness, beauty, and truth that is life in Christ Jesus, that is the Eucharist, that is uh, bread for the world. Because Jesus invites each and every one of us, even at our lowest moments, to be renewed, to be remade, to be revived by His grace, by his glory, and by his mercy, because he desires for all of us to recognize that we are all called to be those wise and prudent virgins by acknowledging those times that we have fallen, by acting in accord with his will and following his teachings so that we too might be one with him in this life and in the eternal wedding banquet of heaven.